What is going on, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome aboard the Soul Train for the next couple of hours. I'm going to be your host. My name is Matt, the Grass Factor Martin. we got special guests tonight. But before we get into who our guest is, I'm going to give everybody a prerequisite. We are practicing the show on the road right now, right? Uh, so uh, there are going to be a couple of technical errors. We're probably not going to be uh, in as high a resolution as normal. And, uh, oh, we may have just had an issue. Uh, the stream stopped receiving data, JP. Uh, I'm still sending. I still hear you. Oh, never mind. It I came back. You. It came back. We're good. We're good. <laughs> We're good. I was We're looking right. on YouTube and it got it got kind of squirrely there for a second. Um. Oh, they okay. lie. Don't so, trust them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it might might be might be a little uh, uh, buffer happy tonight. If it is buffering for you and you hit uh, pause uh, and let it build up. Uh, and before you hit play, you know, give it 30 seconds or so, then hit play. Uh, you should be good and, uh, and a little, uh, a, a little more, uh, a little less buffering. Okay. We got that part out of the way. I want to, uh, introduce, of course, my, my co-host on the show. We have Mr. Ryan DeMay. DeMay, how the hell are you doing, sir? I'm alive, Matt. I'm still alive somehow. And, uh, you know, it's a good night. It's uh, it's a little stormy here, but I think it could get a little stormy on on the uh, the show after tonight. So if you don't already have a membership, you ought to go down there below Matt Martin's beautiful face and click that join button, right, and get on there because, boys, I can't tell you that could get a little rowdy. Now, I want to say this on the flip side of that is that uh, I've gotten a, a few messages, and I want to get this out of the way ahead of time before we get into talking to our guest. Some people are upset and some people feel triggered, Ray, about some of the things that and the ways and the tactics that we use to talk about issues and products and topics and things like that. And to them, I just want to say, hey, if we didn't like you, we wouldn't talk about you or to you at all. So you're more than welcome to come on the show. We're trying to get better every single day. We hope you are, too. But you got to get better a lot faster if we're talking about you. That's all I'm saying. So, Ray, <laughs> how about you? How you doing? I, I I'm doing well. I mean, another week of uh, taking names and kicking ass, <laughs> and, I, and I and I just did a uh, real life burn and return last night. Did you feel good? You know, one of my favorite things, Ray, on those is crossing that point of no return. It's like the dice are in the air over the craps table, and there's nothing you can do. You just let it fly. It's, it's, it, I love the action. I just love that. Well, well, I, I love it. I love it too because you see what's behind me. A week from now, that's going to be all white sand. Oh, doing a little pilex. Tenacity plus sincor plus dismiss. <laughs> Ooh. And oh. methylated seed oil. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say yeah, that is uh, that's going to be a little a little crispy and uh, and rightfully so. Any lawn that deserves to get that deserves to be a little crispy. Um, I'm going to introduce <laughs> our guest tonight. We have Mr. Justin Donovan himself, and I'm going to give everybody a little rundown. If you don't know who Justin Donovan is, 
Uh, Justin Donovan was part of the Turf Master Empire. And for all you old lawn care heads that are out there, I say old, but it wasn't that long ago. It was four years ago. Um, there was a big uh, groundbreaking kerfluffle within the lawn care uh, space because there were two major acquisitions at the time. And uh, one was Lawn Dog, and the big one was Turf Masters, and uh, and that was Justin Donovan's company. And uh, and kudos to you for breaking through and getting to the other side and doing what so many lawn care companies dream of doing and never are able to accomplish, sir. Uh, after after he successfully exited, uh, he formed uh, Lawn Pro Pest and Fertilizer. He is now a pesticide dealer and distributor in the Connecticut area. Sir, welcome to our show. Thank you. Yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. It, uh, We're glad you're it, here. Uh, go ahead. You go. No, <laughs> no, I was just going to say, gonna you said it, it was nice. You, you said it was nice getting through to the uh, other side. And um, that was that was always the plan. So it was actually, a, my dad had a 15-year plan, and he executed it in 12 and a half. And it was the second time he had done it. But that's the long care dream, right? I think it is. Think Hello. about how many guys you know out there that are, uh, uh, you know, on a truck and, you know, it's their third year in business and they're trying to make that decision of, uh, do I hire my first technician? When do I get out of the field? When do I hire someone to take over the phones? And you, you, you remember that that initial struggle you go through and the only thing they can think about is like 10 years from now, I'm going to sell this damn company and I'm going to go sit on a beach in Florida and just isolate from the rest of the world. Um, I guess, you know, from, from your perspective, take us through a little bit of that beginning stage to what it was like in the end. Did it get easier for you as you went, went along? Was it harder, more complex? No, what what was a little bit of that? It, like, it always gets tougher. Um, you know, when we, when my, when we very first started, my dad never did apps in the lawn, uh, on lawns. Um, he went into it with the mentality that I'm building a business. And I think one of the things is so many people that get into the industry, they start off as mowing lawns and then they're like, all right, I'm learning about lawns. So let me get into it. So they come from the doing side rather than running the business side. And, um, turf masters was, you know, True Green is uh, first and foremost a marketing company, and uh, our Turf Masters we were heavy on the marketing. And um, so from day one, my dad really he stepped back and he worked on the marketing. And he had like myself, I had my supervisory by the time I was twenty, so I was out there to be the eyes on the lawn. And we had a front office person, we had a full time salesperson from day one. So in. You know, I think that, Demay, let me ask you, going through Ohio State, how much emphasis was placed on business? Uh, yeah. Well, you either, was one of the things, you either went through plant pathology as your minor, or you went through business as your minor. I chose business, and I would say that I was in the minority, you know, so maybe... 25% of us chose business classes and it was, you know, it was tougher and they were tough on you because, you know, you had, you were in there with people that were running family farms, people that were going to be working for ConAgra Foods and big, you know, big agribusiness companies that 
didn't want to have any slouches, right? So there was a lot of weed out classes and that sort of thing. And so I, I agree that, you know, from what Justin's saying and what I've seen of some of the most successful people, and regardless of whether they're on the golf side, on the sports tour side, lawn care, anything in between, or if there's any cross, you know, crossover there, um, they know business first, turf second, or 1A, 1B. And sometimes you have to put your turf hat on some days and wear that a little bit more prominently. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be able to read that, you know, um, balance sheet, you know, your cash flow statement and understand what your business is actually doing so that you can keep the lights on, keep paying your employees. And, you know, I think that's, that's the real question here, Matt, right? Is like, I think what you're getting at and, and maybe Justin can talk about this because I'm sure he's met other people that have asked him this question and you have too, is, you know, there's a big difference between owning your job, right? And owning a business. And I think that's the the biggest leap that once you get out of that part of it, you can make some strides and you can and you're going to make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. No, no doubt about it. But talk about, you know, and, and Ray, I'm sure you've seen it, too. But talk about that a little bit of the guys that started out solo and now, hey, that first technician, that first whatever that first key hire is. Right. Now, you no yeah. longer own your job. You own a business. Yeah, you know, and the companies that, you know, now I mentor a lot of smaller companies that come in and um, the, one of the big things I tell them is you need to be working on, uh, on your business, not in your business. Um, and so many people, they are, they just get enveloped and they're, they're, they're worrying about doing a route and like you, to really build, you can't do that. Um, that because then it's always just going to be a job, like you said. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something that I tell people is you have to, you have to be working on the business, not in the business. Um, you know, and my dad always told me, you know, Justin, what the hell are you doing? You need to be doing hundred dollar an hour work. That's $20 an hour work, you know? So realize what, you know, you have a finite amount of time. So use it to the best of your ability, uh, to make your business as successful as possible. Um, sometimes there's that easy job that best guy will get done too, but um, then you've got that bear of a job that you really don't want to do. But you know what? That bear of a job that you really don't want to do, that's something that you have to do. And you can have somebody, you can hire somebody to do the crappy easy job. So focus on what you, focus on the right things. That was yeah. definitely the hardest part for me was because I wanted to be a technician and you can't be everything at once. I go, I, I, I take that back. I'm sure there are people out there that can. I can't. And, you know, I was talking to Justin before the show, like if I, this is the kind of person I am. And I think everybody here knows me well enough to know if I have a bad interaction with a customer, a negative interaction with a customer, I wear that on my sleeve for a week, an absolute week. If I have a good interaction with a customer, I wear it on my sleeve for 45 minutes. And that, I mean, and that, that shit would drone on me. And I mean, just, it would, it would wreck. And when I say an entire week, not just while I'm in the truck, not just when I'm calling customers back, but when I come home, you know, and I'm in the shower and I'm like ripping out my hair while I'm washing my hair, thinking to myself, like these just people are just such assholes. I can't even believe they would say that shit to me. And it's just bizarre. Like I did not need to be, you know, going back, you know, hindsight 2020, thinking about where I am now and, and, and 
you know, what it takes. And I still struggle with this. It's still very difficult for me to put work down at the end of the day, right? Because I just I get so hyper focused on whatever it is I'm doing. Obsessive, compulsive, even. Um, it, you know, I'm just a, a nutcase in general. But um, it took so long for me to realize that, like, I don't need control over the day-to-day operation of the business or any business I'm a part of. I need to focus on the technical details because that's that's where my strong suit is. Uh, trying to think, uh, uh, um, you know, balancing uh, my cogs at the end of the week or whatever the case may be, you know, like, oh, let the bean counters do that. Like, I'm still trying to, I've got to go study three labels tonight, right? Because I'm about to do some weird ass tank mix. And I'm trying to figure out how to develop a program for the one damn Buffalo lawn that I went ahead and sold anyway for the challenge. And, and so I just, I should have stepped away and hired someone, put them in the position of, of managing the business a long time ago. And that's, I think that's why I did so well in corporate lawn care was because there was already a structure in place. I was just a cog in the wheel at that point. And I really, yeah, so really like that. Yeah. But when, yeah. when, when you I pulled the punches, just what you need to do. Exactly. Exactly. But when I'm in charge and what makes the sun come up and the sun go down, I hated it. I mean, I just, there was, did I have moments where I enjoyed it? Yes. If I had to do it all over again, what I've done it that way, not a chance in hell, not a chance in hell. No way. Ray, you're, you're down there. Are your ears steaming? Where are you at on all this? Are we, are we all good? You know, are you going to yeah, karate I'm good. chop me? No, 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 Matt. Uh, you see, that is where I remember you saying that you can run three types of, you know, lawn and landscape care businesses, but you can only do one out of the three at a time, and you better be damn good at it. And that's literally the direction that I took my operation in because people are told I'm not your trash hauler. I am not your uh, janitor. I ain't your custodian. Uh, you've hired me because nobody else seems to be able to grow and maintain the turf grass on your property. And I make that very clear and I keep that very clear, uh, at all points in time. So, in because you've ne probably never heard me say this, Justin, I say that you can run three types of businesses, right? You can run business A, which is where you're going to remain small and purely centered around uh, the types of clients that fit your model, which is going to be um, uh, high grossing and, uh, yeah. uh, and aren't going to offer a lot of pushback and, and you're going to do it and you're going to maintain these to the best of your ability. And that's it. That's where your expertise Small, is. Type two, operator. exactly. Type two is going to be volume lawn care, right? And I call volume lawn care, you know, where, where you're going out and you're spraying a thousand dollars, $1,200 a day, whatever the case may be, or you can be business three, which is, uh, uh, you can try and balance the two. And business three does not work. You cannot balance the two effectively. Or at least I can tell you, at least from my perspective, I did it because I tried to do both of them because my, my experience was in volume lawn care. But when I started my own business, I wanted to be high in lawn care. But you still have to make money. And until you can accrue 
the number of high-end customers that you're looking for, you have to do whatever you got to do for money. And the hard part for me is when I would have four lawns on a road in a, in a row and the first and the last one paid for preventative fungicide. And those lawns in the middle of, of you know, I'm in Tennessee and in, you know, I'm growing tall fescue in Tennessee and in the middle of summer, you know, the two lawns in the middle are completely smoked out with disease. I mean, just roasted. And then the ones on the end look, look awesome. And then I got to go put a flag in the yard and the whole time. I wouldn't even, there are so many times I wouldn't leave a flag in the yard because I didn't want anybody to know I treated the yard or the number of times I would have material left over in my permagreen and I would go spray at least the front yard. So that way I didn't have to look at the disaster that was going on there, you know? And it was so yeah. difficult for me that I could not effectively remove myself from being either the high-end solo owner operator or being the guy that I was trained to be, which was, you know, a volume-based lawn care guy. And so I don't think those two blend. You have to choose one or the other and you can't go for both. Yeah, you just I, can't, I agree with that. You just can't do it. And I think the easy part for me is that I had the good fortune of getting my feet wet in the business working for somebody that tried to be three so i learned from his mistakes i learned from all the stuff that blew up in his face i learned for example how not to deal with clientele and when i say how not to deal with clientele uh, that includes not telling people what they want to hear. In other words, I tell people right off the bat, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here yeah. to do what you want when, when you want it done. I'm literally here to do what is right for your turf grass. Period. So Justin, Ray is on the opposite end of the spectrum of probably most people we've ever associated with. Uh, and that's why I think he provides such a unique perspective because, you know, how many sure. lawn care guys are out there that are that intense and have have gone through it, have learned it, and they said, you know what, I'm going to run this type of business and that's the way it is. You know, there's only a handful of guys in the States that do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and some of those guys, they, they you know, so those are some of the happiest lawn care guys you meet, though, you know, because they really love being out on the lawn and they're able to, you know, educate their customers to have the program that they want to run. And, you know, you're not kind of forced into, uh, unfortunately, most of lawn care has been kind of true greenized. So, you know, you can't run a duration product because a homeowner is going to look at you, you know, and get you. What the hell? You mean you're going to apply one fertilizer all summer? That's ridiculous, you know? And it's like you, mm -hmm. you try to explain it to them. And, and, and meanwhile, that'd be great because then you could be there and instead of slinging fertilizer, you can be going and actually getting off the Z sprayer, digging down, seeing if it's chinch bug or if it's disease or if it's drought, doing a much better analysis, you know? But the industry's been true greenized. So the companies that can do those cool things. You know, my dad and I always talked about like, could we have like a high end program? But you're right, you can't do both. Uh, um, you have to pick your lane, you know, and we try to market like the big boys and service like the small guys. But 
only to a certain degree. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to pull off, and uh, and you, you know, some people do it better than others, and I think even if you are doing it. Um, you know, you're really limited by the attention to detail that's, that's within the technician. And I think a lot of that comes down to more of personality traits than it does, um, uh, teach, teachability. It comes down to teachability, which is a personality trait rather than just, um, uh, uh, training, you know, because, you know, you can take someone and put them through all the training in the world, but they're, it's either going to click. And, and they and they get it and they get what it means to be a service provider or it's just never going to register and it's going to fall on deaf ears and they're going to be in their own world the whole time they're out there. And it, it, you're, you're limited by that. And it takes a, and a lot of times if you do find that person, what are they going to go do? They're like, you know what? I'm a good technician. I provide great customer service. I'm going to go start my own damn business. I've had enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And by staying... And, you know, and that's something that I recognize because, you know, believe it or not, my customers are always pushing me to, why don't I get big and hire people? And I tell them, oh, <laughs> you really want me to do that? And then I refresh their memory. I tell them, remember your other service providers where you'd be on the phone or emailing the boss or the manager of some, on some level, but what you tell the manager or the boss is extremely disconnected from the people that are actually on your property. And it gets to the point where if that's how it is, I might as well not have middlemen because there's something else about me that's, I guess, a little bit weird. I cannot stand hierarchy or bureaucracy. Can't take it. I mean, it's like, for me, it's like, cut the crap. Let's get down to business. <laughs> Justin, I got to pick a fight with you out of the gate here. Uh, Y'all were a Z spray company? We were. We had the oh, biggest shit. fleet of sprays in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> we were. Man, we that makes me want to vomit. There's not enough green in there. That should be that should be permagreen is what it should be. Painted all over that damn place. Oh no, we, we were you couldn't company. you wouldn't use toys. You would not make it a week in the damn hills I came up on. Those things would be tumbling down mountainsides. And you'd be calling LT Rich every day or Toro saying, guys, I need more parts. Jim Bob rolled it so, again. Jim Jim Bob hit a fence. So we got to replace I, I, it. I understand what you're saying about the hills, but, I mean, it's it's a far superior machine to a, a permagreen because of the sprayability. And Connecticut is, not, is very hilly. Connecticut is very hilly. Those things were all designed in Indiana where it's flat as hell. There's no question about it. It's a, it's, it's a, I, I, I've seen them flip. I've had technicians break legs in half. I've seen terrible things happen with them. I've seen one catch fire. Um, but uh, I, it's a great machine. Yeah, I'll, gi I'll give you that. It is a great machine, but I will say um, I bleed permagreen green. It is, it courses through my veins, uh, because it was one, it was the only machine Nobody's that handled perfect. the hills in my area. 
And two, I could repair pretty much anything that went wrong with the permagreen in an AutoZone parking lot. And, uh, and I was very appreciative of that because I was, I was starving a lot of times when I first started my business. And of course, like a dumbass, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go damn take a loan and buy a permagreen. And I'm like, well, shit, now I got to make money. <laughs> sure. I, uh, yeah, mm. I, well, I've got an entire, uh, sh- uh, row of parts. So I, um, uh, you know, all behind there, that's all parts on the other side of that. So if people are down with these spare parts, I like, get them up and down. <laughs> so that's kind of actually right? one cool. Th- what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's one thing that I was able to, that's very unique about my business now at Lawn Pro Pest Controls and Fertilizers is because Turf Masters was so big, I mean, we, we had 52 Z sprayers on the road, I think, right? So because we were so big, um, a lot of people in Connecticut use Z sprayers just because that's what they saw around. And so everybody buys what they're seeing, right? Um, so there's a ton of Z sprayers in Connecticut and um, there's nobody that knows how to service them, but we, and all of ours we sold. So um, when I opened the store, I made sure that I just stopped all the parts that I know break. And uh, like every winter, I used to order over $40,000 in parts from LT Rich just for our winter refurbish, you know? So I know everything that breaks on those machines. I know them like the back of my hand. Um, I actually used to go um, uh, at the end there, because um, I could literally take every machine from 2015 to 2017, and I could put each one in order by year. And I can tell you well, this is like what changed and how I can tell, you know. Um, and uh, I would be, I would actually go on like uh, conference calls with their design team to talk about design changes and stuff. Um, so I was really, I, if there's anybody that bleeds uh, yellow, <laughs> LT Rich is probably me. Um, so, uh, but that was a unique thing, just the fact that it's so big in Connecticut, the Z sprayer, and I'm able to like have the best parts and knowledge base for it, you know. I even have a, uh, sure. I have tricks and troubleshooting guide that I made for my technicians. So when they went down, they had an ability to get themselves back up on the road. Um, you know, stupid things like use a paper clip to, if, if your fuse busts, just so that you can at least get back on the trailer, just silly shit, even, you know? Um, and so I can give that to my customers too, just because, you know, you learn from your mistakes. It's no that, doubt. it's that, it, it, historical experience that you know you get to share on and uh and, and keep the tradition alive what are you thinking up there Demay? are you are you are you a z-spray guy do we need to fight we'll do it right here we can fight i mean i think <laughs> i think permagreen is i mean i'm not gonna say it's trash but i wouldn't put my, God, he's i wouldn't put anything on my body in honor around he's that people. thing i mean he's, he's well, canadians dude, man dude, i'm, I'm telling you a, they got a different outlook on um, on earth we had one I'm that made a good dog for a little while. I'm not a fan of the bicycle steering. I'm not a fan of jerking my body all around to, to steer the damn thing. Spraying at whatever, like a quarter gallon per thousand or two tenths of a gallon per thousand. That, that ain't for me and Ray. I know that. Like we are, we are high volume in your face guys. So um, I don't know. I like, uh, you know, I think, Toro purchasing the company and putting their spin on it here. This is the first model year it's out as their product. Um, I've seen it. I've played around with it a little bit. It's 
you know, it's basically the same machine. There's a couple things they did that were torofied, right? That they had to put their spin on it. But uh, you know, I've uh, I've I've run a lot of seal greens here in the last couple of years of just you know getting to know their company, and obviously they came from LT Rich, and uh, I think those are good machines too. So in my world, I was gonna say I would go steel. Those green. are what works best. Yeah, I mean, I think Steel Green right now and what they're coming up with now. And again, I don't hate to sound like a shill, but I just like shit that works, you know. And nothing yeah. against Permagreen. Like, well, if you're is... if you're a Permagreen guy and you feel comfortable, like go with it. Like, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I I would because I'm not wrong. There's does anybody, so does, does anybody have to be wrong here though? Uh, nope. I mean, I don't think any. There's so many things that are out though now. I mean, every company's got their own sprayer. And when people ask, which one should I go with? Like, Skag's got one now, right? And I say, yeah, Skag has one. I'm going to go with Steel Green if I'm going to decide, make a decision on a fleet right now, because those guys are the guys that went through all the ups and downs that Z Spray's gone through. They've got the best knowledge base of what doesn't work, like suspensions uh, on, you know, a spray rig. Turns out it's not a good idea. Um, you know, and, and so they've just, They've got such a great knowledge base in terms of what does and doesn't work. If there's some unfortunate things that they can't do because they worked for uh, LT Rich and because LT Rich has patents on certain things, which is a bummer. But their company provides such a better service, and they're just great people. So that I would go steal green. I will say that. I will say that, and I don't know what my, I've never had experience with Permagreen, so don't don't chastise me and my Canadian maple leaf maple syrup bleeding ass okay you know there's no reason to get into a uh trojan versus durex debate right here on on the stage but <laughs> um you know I, like the uh steel green this year i've had a client that i you know we we specked out and they purchased a steel green and i've been running a little bit just to kind of get a feel for it what it, you know what it does well what it doesn't do well just so i can help spec future equipment purchases and um you know the the thing we had a couple things go wrong little minor things so you know call up out there and i'm talking to i can't I look up his name here but talking to one of their c-suite guys who you know, basically invented the machine and he's you know he's talking me through it and okay this is pretty cool you know so i think i think again just the the size of that company's just right right now and you know, I think with the way that their ownership is structured, they're never going to get acquired and they're never going to be sold off or spun off in any way, I think. And so that just leads me to believe that they're there to, you know, they, they came to market with a strong, um, strong presence and a strong uh, product. And I think that they're only going to continue to improve that. And so I'm always a big fan of those companies that are small enough and nimble enough to listen to their customers, you know, just like Justin was saying. And, and LT was that for a long time. They were those people that would say, hey, tell us what's wrong with it. Tell us how you can break it and we'll see if we can make it so that you don't break it. And I think to that point, again, from a lawn care applicator standpoint and, and from any business owner standpoint, you're looking for stuff that has uptime. You're looking for stuff that can get maximum production and with as, e you know, as easy of a training uh regiment as possible because you want that to be consistent predictable and make sure that those techs all have confidence when they go out there and do that it's when people lack confidence going up and down that hill that's when jim bob cartwheels himself down through the fence and is it in the holler is that how you say it down there in the holler 
Yeah, it's exactly how you say it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm from Canada. We just call it a valley over here. So, Cali. It's these damn people. Justin, I've got this thing. It, it wasn't until I was in my mid 20s that I learned that everywhere that is north of the Mason Dixon line is not a major city. Um, I did not know farmland existed in Kansas and Indiana and Ohio. I thought it was all like New York. I thought the whole world was New York outside of the South. And, uh, and so the running joke on the show is that anybody who's from North of Kentucky or Virginia is, uh, is Canadian is, is kind of my, that's why he keeps making dumb redneck jokes. And, uh, I keep calling him Canadian because how's your maple syrup up there? Huh? You've been sucking on maple trees all morning. Look at y'all. Y'all look drunk up there. And, and and which must be why uh, Matt considers me an honorary redneck, even though I'm not <laughs> from the south. Because I mean, you're as I'm as south far as you can get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All those yeah, key West. If you turn, if you turn Ray Greg. loose, <laughs> if you turn Ray loose with a bow and arrow, he'd go get squirrels and eat them for dinner. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that's I wouldn't Rabbit, put it past him. Uh, what deer? Bring it on. Yep. <laughs> Why don't we tell uh, Justin what uh, what Ray uses for a sprayer? Ray, you want to you inform Justin about your... Uh, well, you don't have a ride-on sprayer, Rick, so tell him about it. Okay, I have two main spray rigs. One is a you know, skid sprayer powered by a Honda engine D50 pump. That's number one. Okay. Number two, I have an engine drive backpack that puts out three gallons per minute and at pressures up to 500 PSI. Have you ever seen these backpacks with the, uh, with the, with the, with the battery, not battery powered, but the actual engines on them that you got to crank? Like a like for a Mister backpack, a Fogger type backpack. No, no, this is I've a. I've seen those, but no, this is a literally a triplex or duplex piston pump, powered by yep. a either a two cycle or a four cycle engine, and a repeat up to three gallons per minute at five hundred psi. <laughs> how how what how much does it carry? Well, anywhere from six to eight gallons. Okay. I, I, you're going to go through that fast. <laughs> yeah, because there, there's a joke that I have with some people in that with something like that, I can drop five, five, and five, meaning five gallons over 5,000 square feet in about five minutes. I, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I always, my favorite thing to do was fungicides out of a good old fashioned spray rig at two gallons per thousand. So even though I had all my Z sprays, I, I, you know, I love the, just the good old fashioned spray rig too. Okay. Personally. And I don't know how far back in time you go, but this is my fungicide gun right here. (laughs) 
Ray That's and so then the ceramic discord nozzles. <laughs> yeah, and Why not just the I coverage, coverage. Okay, coverage because so I Ray takes to... it. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I have my objective is to basically put out fine droplets that don't roll off. And sure. so, because I don't mind using something like a, a Kemlon gun if I don't want my product retained by foliage. But if I need my product retained by foliage, I'm going to yep. use something like that. And oh, by the way, there is nothing slow about that because depending on the discourse setup, I can push anywhere from five to 10 gallons per minute through that gun. There's nothing slow about it. So Ray takes it to such the next level that even the nozzle selection is hyper precise to maximize the amount of coverage he gets. Um, sure. But again, you know, it's in one of those those instances where, you know, Hawaii, where grass is growing year round and two, you know, they have basically all the weeds we have in the south and additional incredible to control weeds. And so it's just become so hyper tuned it, it, every aspect. Right. So pump selection is hyper tuned. Nozzle selection is hyper tuned. Uh, Ray, how do you run your skid sprayer? Well, I run uh off of a 300 foot hose honda gx uh, 270 pump gx 270 engine and so the reason why i went with the larger engine and larger pump is because i need most of that volume for agitation because i don't want my fungicides or other products falling to the bottom of the tank ever what size tank is it? Hundred, hundred gallons. Because that is basically enough material for me to easily do a quarter acre or a half acre lawn. Because understand that I don't go riding around with the same mix for three different lawns. In fact, I can get myself into enormous trouble doing that because when dealing with highly maintained cool season turf nobody has the same grass I could be treating zoysia in one lawn Bermuda in another lawn uh, seashore paspalum in another lawn St. Augustine in another, in another lawn and a lot of the treatments don't cross over very nicely into the other grass types I mean, if I sprayed one of my weed control treatments intended for zoysia on Bermuda, St. Augustine, or Seashore Paspalum, I owe that person a new lawn because it's going to fry it. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, that, that was interesting being a cool season guy, you know, obviously in New England, um, going to the, the other side and starting to sell pesticides and just learning about this whole new world of herbicides for Southern grass types, you know, like Celsius. Mm -hmm. I never needed to know what the hell that was. <laughs> you know? uh, so that was interesting okay. to see. Yeah. 
And then likewise, if you're dealing with Bermuda, what you can do to Bermuda, you better keep far away from Zoisha. In fact, I've had some instances where, Matt, how's this? If I haven't flushed out my spray rig well enough, I can see a little whitening on the le- on the next Zoisha lawn that I spray. <laughs> I believe it. Do you know, it's a funny story about uh, cross-contamination like that. You know, I killed a fescue yard with, with actually Celsius one time uh, because I did not wash out it well enough and then loaded up with um um uh, what was it propiconazole and man it was oh, it was funny everywhere i did a trim pass in the backyard everything just like evaporated in a couple of weeks right it was gone and then the inside of the yard you know it just it went through this slow general degradation of you know looking like hell before it all finally died too and of course i had to go in and see it and, it, and this is what was crazy is <laughs> I, I sprayed it to empty and then uh, filled it with water and I probably ran 10 gallons through the tank and when I was filling it, you know, I was running it down the side. I didn't do a triple rinse. You know, it was just a little bit and I'm, you know, running it into our sump in the floor and uh, and boy, it it killed it. And there's no doubt about it. Like, it was dead dead. I reseeded it and it grew in beautiful and everything was fine. All was right with the world. Hey, if you hadn't killed the yacht or two, you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> when people get, you know, the one thing I tell people is like, they're so despondent about the lawn. It's like, good news. Seeding season's like two weeks away. You know, that's a great thing. You can always just start over every fall. It's not a big deal. It's not life or death. Yeah. That, that that's is the great uh, thing about why. cool season grass. Yeah, I'm mildly envious now, Justin, about people (laughs) in an area where turf type tall fescue is the predominant turf type because uh, guess what sod costs here? And most people have some... No. And, And just understand that most people want the latest and greatest sodded variety of zoysia or seashore pespalum as their turf average cost okay. is four dollars a square foot or two thousand a pallet wow that's crazy. Mm-hmm. so that's if crazy. you know put put my craziness in context with that the cost of turf yeah in other words i'm under yeah. very high pressure not to screw up and to absolutely protect that turf from any kind of disease or insect damage. Hmm. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Justin, you mentioned you're on the, the product side now. So, you know, you transition yeah. over and now you're selling product and everything like that. You know, take us through that transition and then now. You know what it, the education process that you used to have to do with clients every single stop right or every single sales pitch what's that like now with people coming to you instead of you going to them yeah you know um switching over to the sales side um my favorite part of my job was always just talking to employ whether it's my employee or my customer really like the education part of lawn care so um 
I'm able to still continue to do all that. And, um, you know, one thing we always said about the lawn care industry in general is you can break it into thirds. Um, a third of people are going to do absolutely nothing. A third of the people are going to do it themselves, whether it's, you know, the people that are just crazy and they're doing, you know, two, three week rotational fungicides or the person that's just buying one bag of Scott's, you know, four step and they don't even get past step one or step two. Uh, and then there's the third that hires somebody. So there's the do nothings, the people that hire somebody and then the, the do it yourselfers. And I, one thing we had to non-compete, so it made it easy to not uh, be able to start another lawn care company uh, when you have a non-compete. Um, and so, <laughs> how, so then how do I utilize what I know about the industry and, um, you know, all the experience I have in the industry um, and kind of leverage what I like most about my job, which was talking turf and, and, and educating people. Um, and so this just kind of seemed to make sense, you know? Um, cause I knew a bunch of the big dealers just because of how much product we bought. Like I just became a Jonathan green dealer. Um, that was pretty cool. You know, we used to use 88,000 pounds a year of Jonathan green. Ray was talking about turf type trawl fescue, you know, uh, big turf type trawl fescue people up here. So, but like mm -hmm. excited to have that relationship. And that was from, you know, turf master. So I used all those relationships to leverage my ability to even start this, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to stay in the industry and, you know, there's other lawn care companies and I don't mind teaching them some of the things that I think made Turf Master successful. And there's little tricks and things I've learned over the years, products, whatnot, that, you know, for, uh, what we call big boy lawn care, you call uh, volume lawn care, um, you know, certain things that, Hey, if you do this, but like, you can be way more profitable. It's just like, you know, just switching like a small thing, like a herbicide. Um, well, so why don't like you share one of those? What, what's, what's something, what's, what's one of those things um, that, that really overlooked or people when they, when you tell them like the light bulb goes off and they're like, Hey, yeah, that makes a lot well, of sense. What are some of those things? Professionals using Q4. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> <hate> <laughs> Thank you. My God, I hate that fucking freaking herbicide so much. Wait, Go right down the list. Q4, T-Zone, they can all lick all my left and right side of my back. I, was, yeah. I almost went there, Demay. You well, did. the only people that made I was money for PBI Gordon is PBI Gordon, right? But <laughs> that's, that's a saying I didn't know before, but I know now that I'm on this side is... Uh, the only people that make money from PBI Gordon is PBI Gordon. Uh, but I, uh, Q4 in particular, I hate because it's, I, I, it's almost false advertising that says that it controls yellow nutsedge. It's got such a small level of sulfentrazone. zone. You're never going to get more than a burn down. You're never going to control to the nutlet. And so that problem is just going to continue to get worse and worse on that property. Um, and it gives the applicator that doesn't know what the hell he's buying a false sense of security. Now, plus at three ounces per thousand, it's costing you $2.75 per thousand square foot. Um, I've got a product called On Deck. It's a great, it's a two-way herbicide. Most people hear two-way herbicide and they're going to cringe at that, you know, oh, speed zone, great four-way herbicide. Well, the thing is On Deck, 0.75 ounces per thousand, really low use rate. It's got a high level of dicamba, so you get a lot of root action. 
and it's got wow. a built-in surf it's got a built-in surfactant so it mm -hmm. works excellent uh because it's you know it doesn't need the three-way it works so well with the surfactant that's built specifically for this product that um i'll have someone using that and then mixing in quinclorac 1.5 l drive accelerate um and no, there's no sulfentrazone, but you're getting all the efficacy that you're getting out of Q4 for $1.76 per thousand square feet versus the $2.75 for Q4. And then guess what? Get Sedgehammer and use something that actually fucking works for the nuts edge. Actually, uh, Matt and about this all the time where in a lot of cases, you can formulate a much more efficacious you know, equivalent, like my go-to is Dicamba, 2,4-D ester, and Carfentrazone. And guess what that replaces? Well, it's basically a speed zone. Speed zone. It's, it's speed zone because right. MCPP in my area, all that does is stress and damage the turf grass. Worm season turf grass doesn't like, now. yeah, yeah, the D, yeah, the, the, the D MCPP, you know, that, that just causes unnecessary stress without even touching the weeds that are concerning me, where, you know, long before they even had a such thing as Speed Zone Southern, my go-to was Bassagran, 2,4-D ester, and dicamba. I mean, I used to run that on, you know, acres of you know Bermuda or Seashore Paspalum, and it would get weeds and get them good and at a good price. <laughs> yeah. 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 That that's one thing is teaching the the pro like you know to buy. There's a there's one thing at Turf Masters. There was a time to spend money where you can really differentiate yourself by spending money. Uh, and then there's mm -hmm. opportunities where you can really save a lot and you should not be wasting money, you know, um, like grass seed. We were big believers. We, and we were always Jonathan green. I don't care what you tell me. I've seen Jonathan green and I've seen a bag of site one next in the lawn next to it. The Jonathan Green lawn looks different afterwards. It's now it's got an Audi in the in, in it, you know, versus the Shamrock or whatever that you're getting from Site One. So I love so things like that and um, XCU versus Poly Plus. You know, just going to something as small as just having a fertilizer that released at a better curve and don't have as much of the ups and downs. Those small things that you could improve in your program and spend a little bit more on were really important for differentiators, I thought. So I made a spreadsheet, I guess it's been a few years ago, but I took all the popular combination herbicides and fungicides and broke it into a spreadsheet to show one, how much active ingredient was in it. And then how much you would save by rolling your own, basically by, you know, using two individual active ingredients rather than buying, you know, what they formulate for you. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, I saw someone else mention dismiss NXT. You want to talk about something that makes me violent is anybody that would ever <laughs> spend money on dismiss NXT. Um, 
you know, there's a couple of them that you can't replicate. Um, and that would be, uh, like tribute total. You can't replicate that because actually there, you know, one, you cannot isolate the iodosulfuron methyl. And then, um, the other one is, uh, uh, the house of They actually have a higher rate of house of in, um, uh, in tribute total than they do, um, as if you were just spraying uh, whatever regular house of Furon is. And then there was one more that I found too that I can't recall. Uh, let me scroll down here. Avenue South. You could not roll your own that cheaper. Um, and that's because the the panoxalam that's in Avenue South is the trade name is Sapphire for that individual product. And it was, it was insane. $705 a gallon. So I don't know. I don't know how. Um, it gets rolled into Avenue South so cheaply, but it does, but it's funny, you know, I did like horsepower and last call. Do, do you remember last call when it was around for a little while? Um, uh, that was kind of an interesting one. Um, oh, where are some of these other ones? Echelon surge. Oh, oh, <laughs> I've heard so much surge. Listen, when, when I remember when, uh, our rep came by and sold us all the surge, this is when I was in Memphis at the time. And, uh, and you know, this is the post MSMA timeframe where everybody's looking to do something. It was MSMA was real big in the South cause we have, we don't have normal lawns down here. We have Dallas grass fields. And then once you kill out all the Dallas grass, you're like, oh my God, there's Bermuda here. And so, um, that was kind of the name of the game in the South is how quickly can you get rid of the Dallas grass? Right. And so everything was coming along as and touted as a MSMA replacement. And so at first it was Celsius and Celsius was like, you know, and you go and the, this is the part that would piss me off about it. I used to say it was a lot like um, the pharmaceutical industry. You know how the pharmaceutical in- industry will they'll prescribe you all these different medications and they'll tout all these different advantages from it. But in reality, you know, you may have like four different side effects that, that end up causing more problems than the benefit you're getting out of the medication. And it turns out it's not that effective because you have some weird genetic thing that makes it not effective <laughs> for you. I always, I felt like, uh, you know, when the in the um, uh, chemical production industry, they would put everything on patent. They'd sell it to you at these monumental costs. They'd promise the world, you go out there, you make your application, you follow it to a T. It doesn't work. They go back and they're like, oh, well, you got to manipulate it, right? So you were using you were using uh, uh, a non-ion surfactant, like the label says, but we found that if you use an organosilicone, it actually works a lot better. So next year, let's go out with that organosilicone and see what we get. And it would knock it down and you'd be high-fiving everybody and you'd be you know, out there humping the customer's leg, telling them like, I did it this time, sir. Yes, sir, I got it this time. And then two weeks later, they call and they're like, man, that damn Dallas grass, it died and it came right back. And you're like, motherfucker, man. And I hated that. I hated that. Surge was one of those one of those combo products that came down the pipeline and as soon as it showed up on the on the doorstep, it was like, look, this is going to be your summer weed control that's going to get your nutsedge, your Virginia button weed, your dove weed, anything that's going to be out there, you're going to you're going to come in and roast it. And you know, by the time you get to the round and you you got 12 other guys out spraying, y'all get to the round and then you know, 3 weeks into it, 4 weeks into it, the phone calls start coming and then start coming and then the phone calls really start coming and you're like, "Why did we just spend all that damn money on this product and no results?" It was so frustrating. I used to get so mad about that. Yeah. So my my answer to this was to come up with the roll your own database. And I've got to say, Ray was actually the one who gave me the confidence of, of 
getting out there and just playing mad chemist. Um, I make a joke <laughs> that I'm one bad decision away from being a meth cook uh, because of how often I just end up mixing shit and, uh, and, and running with it. But, you know, and I'll say this too, I got to learn a lot more of the intricacies of individual active ingredients too. Um, and I think, a, you know, a lot of people ask me about like, you know, if I'm mixing these two products, what rate can I mix it at? And so much of that, that decision would have to be made, you know, by all the, the, the minute variances of being out in the field and watching what happens with it. You know, like, um, you know, irrigated lawns, you can probably get a little riskier. Non-irrigated lawns, you probably can't get that risky. You got to be real quick on it. Turn your pressure down on your on your uh, Lesco gun there, you know, if you're going to go light it up on so-and-so's yard. And so a lot of that is hard to teach, but at least if you give them the opportunity to be able to look at the active ingredients and realize, understand what they're buying, they're not buying a new chemistry, right? They're buying a recycled old chemistry that's been put together and touted as something that's brand new, and it's not, and that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, but yep. it, it, and I guess it's a fine line, though, right? Because... You can, you can hey, make your own speed zone with four other things. And if you're a uh, do it, if you're, you know, an, a, um, like Ray and, you know, you're the owner operator, you totally confident can do that. Um, obviously, when you get into like more of the volume lawn care, uh, it's a fine line what you're going to have text mixing out on the road and what you're not. Hell have yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this ain't something you give old, old uh, uh, you know, split split skull Chuck out there, you know, a couple of different tipping pours of stuff and expect him to reliably, all right, you're going to measure three quarters of an ounce and pour it into your backpack. And this one, this one, <laughs> listen here, Chuck, you need a tenth of a gram, all right? I don't know how you're going to get a tenth of a gram, but you got to figure out how to get a tenth of a gram in there. And then, of course, he right. pulls out his scales, and he's like, shit, man, I got one that goes to a hundred of a gram. I got you, buddy. Yeah, well, man. All right. I, no, he just trims his fingernails a little bit. Just trims yeah, that I told you about... <laughs> I, I told you, Matt, about my dicamba disaster, right? Uh, I told you about no, no. I don't. I don't know. Probably, but tell me again. Okay, because this speaks to Justin's point in that I once made the mistake of giving out a pint of two four D ester and a pint of Benvel four S to somebody on the mowing crew that said he knew how to spray. And oh, right. yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's legal in Hawaii to do that. But anyway, shed fire time because here's what the guy did. I told him <laughs> the 24D, you may apply this at a half an ounce per thousand square foot. This Benvel. You, under no circumstances, apply no more than a half a teaspoon per thousand square foot. And so, what does this guy proceed to do? Throw half an ounce per gallon of each material into a hand sprayer. And then, spot spray mm. weeds. Wait, it gets better. In lawns. This that shit gives have me anxiety. trees in them 
And okay, because of that half ounce per gallon of Banville, guy managed to curl up a whole bunch of trees. See, this is where okay, in this from coming from a golf course background, right? Because like, you know, yeah, we're spraying the same you know, 180 acres all the time over and over and over again. Right. And it's been a long mm-hmm. time since I'm on the golf course, but you get used to, to leveraging that on other people. Right. So whether it's, you know, uh, spray techs, assistants, interns, whatever you're trusting and you're, you're training like to the hilt of how to mix stuff. And I can safely say like, that's, that's one thing that when it comes from, you know, it comes to a lawn care side, and I get what Justin's saying, you know, when it's just volume lawn care and it's just you're doing, you know, 20, 30 properties in a day and just trying to bang through it, switching something up like that could be disastrous, right? But just from the standpoint of, okay, this is your process when you go to mix something. Here's our, you know, form that we use for whatever, this application on you know, this route or this fairway or this whatever, and really drilling down on the specifics of this is the order that you mix in. These are the products you're going to put in in order. This is why you're going to put them in an order. And here's why it's important, because if you don't, you're going to climb in the spray tank and you're going to scoop out 300 gallons of jello, right? So you start doing things like that and you in trusting people. And I, I get what you're saying. Like it, it is a double edged sword here. Um, and the one thing I'll say that, you know, now on the consulting side where I'm, I'm leveraging other companies to do applications and things like that, I will say unequivocally that the people that I trust the most in general terms are people that have golf course experience because they understand that. They understand that what we spray today could be completely different than what we spray tomorrow. And it might even be the same pest that we're going after, right? It's just, it's getting in that mindset of being comfortable that, hey, I have no idea what's going to be on the spray sheet, but I'm going to mix it up. As this person said, if I see something that doesn't make any sense, I'm going to call it out. I'm going to say something to that person rather than just mix it all up. And then when I go out and make that application, right, I'm going to do all the things I've been trained to do. And generally speaking, I think those people, uh, you know, they get it at a different level, not to say that they're, they're any better or anything like that, but just in terms of, um, I throw, I'm like Ray, like I throw some weird stuff in there. It's different from time to time, like every time basically. And <laughs> I'll get the call like, Hey, are you sure we should blah, blah, blah. Yep. Let's go through it real quick. Let's run the math. Let's talk about the products. Let's talk about whale. Let's go through their mixing order. Let's do it all right here, right now. Got no problem. Just like what you're saying. Like it's, it's an opportunity to educate and go through that with them. And it's important. It's important to take those opportunities. So, so, my, my other question I was thinking about too on the product side is, you know, hey, so you're, you know, a fledgling product supplier. I'm like, I mean, I've gotten to see your website and I like the way that you built it out and everything like that in terms of how you're selling and everything like that. But when you look at products now, right, because you're coming at this from a completely different angle than a site one or, you know, a big, you know, a big box, quote unquote, of lawn sure. care. How are how are you selecting those products? How are you you know you're gonna you're getting pitched by multiple people every month? Hey, pick up my line, pick up this product. This is the best thing since whatever. How are you? Not at all. How are you? T- Not really? at all. The reps have reps have left me alone. They don't come near me. Um, wow. I've got my 
relationships with the vendors that I use, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, the initial process was I, obviously I know, you know, what I believe in. And I start with the products that I know that I believe in and that for the professional side that I want to make sure that I'm, I'm providing and selling to customers. Um, and then after that, for the homeowner side, you know, um, I, I saw some, you know, my vendor gave me some numbers. Um, they sold to another big company, do my own. And so I was able to kind of see like, okay, well, these are products that tend to move, you know? So, uh, being able to see what products were moving, that kind of obviously helped me make the decision. Um, and certainly I'm a, a cool season centric, um, company, um, because I saw everything locally too. So, you know, I don't have the Celsius. Um, and, uh, so it's, I don't know, I, I guess I haven't gone full, fully into the online side. I certainly tried to, but, uh, pay-per-click is really expensive and difficult to figure out. And I'm still working on that and then baby steps, but ramp it up. Yeah, no, I hear you. What are some of those things that you believe in wholeheartedly? Like you, you will never, ever take those off the shelf until somebody tells you you're legally not allowed to sell them. You've got something on your <laughs> shelf that I would never take off the shelf right now. Like I'm going through your product line and there's some stuff on here that I used for years religiously still would i mean uh there's (laughs) i don't know there's there's so many things that like i'm i I don't even know how to answer that um you know some of the fungicides um you need you need to have some good fungicides in there so until they find something that's more affordable and broad spectrum than propaganzol that's just going to be a base of lawn care you know um uh, geez. Um, I don't know. Triclopyr, obviously, we deal with a lot of violets up here. You have to have triclopyr. Um, Roundup Quick Pro, something that, as it turns out, you just, you know, you need to have for that landscaper business. Um, you know, I wish more people would use, like, give Shergar a try. That's a product that I wish I could get into yeah. more people's hands, you know? Uh, it's expensive, but it's a great product. And then, you know, hey, you mix in your glyphosate, especially I mean, glyphosate's not cheap now. Uh, I was at $44 a bottle in my store a month ago, and I'm at $95 now because of what's just happened in the market. I mean, that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like glyphosate's cheap, uh, you know, uh, Turns out, did you guys know that uh, there were 11 factories making it across the world and apparently eight of them shut down? So there's only three yeah. left making it. So there's just, I mean. Yeah, last business. week, you know, we're, we're talking about the upcoming, uh, uh, you know, kind of groundwork that Bayer laid out for uh, dropping the residential label part of of their glyphosate products and, you know, the implications right. that have and how that ends up affecting, you know, everyone from the lawn care applicator to the homeowner and, it gets, it gets, it gets real cloudy. And a lot of times, you know, I've talked about this before about how the lawn care, uh, industry, it becomes the whipping boy of all the, uh, pass downs and regulations that end up getting passed. Um, where do they implement it first? They implement it into the lawn care uh, guys first. And, oh, and so absolutely. we're the ones. Absolutely. It makes us, it makes them look like they're doing something, 
but we're such a small percentage of the business when it comes to, you know, Syngenta and BASF and Bayer. They don't care if they lose us, really. You know, keep Ag happy. But yeah, absolutely. Sorry. So you Actually, have a product from Valagro. Yeah, Ag and Gold. Uh, I use oh, a ton of, of, Valigo, of Valigro products. Yeah, but Axelo Mix 5 was one of my go-to staples that I ran all the damn time. Uh, I ran a lot of Renova. Um, when I got out yep. of Orbix was not out yet, but, um, you know, that's... Orbix I, is my jam. I, yeah, I know everything that, that goes into that too, and I, I really like that product as well. So uh, it's it's yep. cool seeing seeing some of those there that uh, I have... Uh, a lot of a lot of hours and a lot of gallons under my belt so that's funny i would have said you know when it comes to my own personal lawn or orbix is one of those products that's one of my favorite things on the shelf you know that goes on every fungicide that my dad and i throw down on our lawns no question five ounces per thousand um but uh that that's I, that one's more a niche product it's, it's hard to sell people on that a lot of times but it's uh, i actually sold some today and i i told the uh the the customer as he was walking out i was you know you know it's a lawn care guy we we're talking about how i was talking about how good it was i was like you just know when you open it up and it's so dark and black it's like sun just disappears in it you know that's when you know you've got some good shit <laughs> <laughs> it is some good the, stuff for sure um it's 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 funny my this is a true story here uh, I've told it a hundred times, but it's it's real life. Um, the rep that used to sell me that product uh, t- attempted to fight me at the fifty yard line of a high school football field one time um, because I had sprayed out some ryegrass with Monument, and I didn't buy the Monument from him. And uh, he wanted to show off the ryegrass to some visitors he had, and uh, they had been drinking prior to coming and visiting me and they did not know I was going to be at the football field. And man, I was so mad at that guy. It was unbelievable. The athletic director got involved and split us up and he wasn't at the company much longer after that. But, uh, man, I was, it was a weird thing. And he, he was a little guy too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Motherfucker, dude. Uh, Dustin. Uh, I'm watching you, Dustin, you happened. sack of shit. In case he's listening. <laughs> weird, weird, weird thing happened to me. Um, well, not to me, but to a customer. Because obviously, I'm, I, I just opened my doors here a year ago. So all my customers are new. Uh, and one of my, not site one, but the other big local dealer. Um, guy showed up drunk at my customer's office, spitting on all of his trucks, cussing him out for for giving me business and then proceeded to go drive to his house and do the same thing craziness uh, all right so no longer there either i'm gonna tell you something that was told to me um i've never been on the distributor side of things i've been on the manufacturing side of things selling my soul to distributors but um i would i had a, a a a buddy of mine in the industry and i'll i'll say his name um uh, his name is John Huber, and John Huber and I go way back. Uh, and he he sold to me for a long time, and I got to say I've, I've got more respect for John Huber than than he's just he is high class, top notch. Um, John Huber told me that fertilizer sales is a is a uh, a full contact sport, and I did not understand 
what that meant until I was balls deep in it. And you see things like that. When people call your customers and, and drag them through the mud or talk about the relationship that they forged over the years and, and will say things like, you know, we, we've worked so long in this relationship and you're going to let me go just like that. You're going to let me go just like that. You're gonna, you're, we're we're going to lose all this time we spent together over a bag of fertilizer. You're really going to do that to me? And I'm like, man, what a soft-ass approach to that. Uh, like, that is soft as shit. I get heated talking about it because, man, I, I can tell you at least, as I'm, I'm sure you have experienced, and I know you probably can't talk a whole lot about these things. I talk about it way more than I should. Um, but there are some real motherfuckers out there, and I don't know how else to put it other than to that, and it, it is it is 100% sacrifice whatever's necessary or whatever in your way uh, to, to sign the dotted line or to get the next pallet at the door. I equate fertilizer sales to it's, it's lawn care applications, but there's just another zero at the end. Right? So when you're selling a pallet of fertilizer, you know, you're selling, you're selling an $80 lawn app. Now you're selling a $800 pallet of fertilizer, right? It's just one more zero at the end, but it's the exact same kind of tenacious hustle of getting out there get in front of your customer's face explaining the best of what your program has to offer, trying to build the trust, trying to build rapport, trying to build a relationship and then delivering on the, on the back end of it. Right. So no real difference. You're still a service provider, but you know, just one more zero at the end, higher risk, higher reward kind of thing. And because it is bigger dollar amounts, I feel like people are a little more aggressive, uh, a little more passive aggressive and, uh, and a little more protective over their domicile. And, and, you know, you'll, you'll get, you get your knees or balls cut off, you know, depending on how much of an attitude you wear on your shoulder in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's uh, hell yeah. It's it's and it's it's funny. Everybody pretends they want to help too, but they're really just. It's like, what what what's, what are your ulterior motives here? You know. <laughs> Definitely saw a, a lot of that opening up. You know, every every other competitor came through the door, whether they were you know convenient with. Uh, the pandemic able to wear a mask, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. Some of the people that have walked through the door and how they've acted since, since we opened for sure. Uh, tell me, are, have you considered um, a co-op, um, a buying group? Yeah. They don't want me. I'm just too new. still. Gotcha. Yep. So, so it's, it's 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 brutal. Um, it's a chicken or the egg type of thing. So, because I've gotten in touch with all the big manufacturers, right? And so the big manufacturers they say, well, we want you to, um, you know, get a relationship with a buying group and, and, and buy through that, right? You know, you talk to the buying groups and they say, well, get a relationship where you're dealing directly with the. Um, manufacturers and then we'll talk to you. So I so, said, well, how the hell do you start? So it's, um, agency products are definitely a challenge for me. Um, the thing is on the online side and for the homeowner retail side, it's not really a big deal because a lot of the other resellers on the, that are people selling on the internet are um, well above agency price anyway. So it doesn't really matter for that market, but for the professional, certainly, you know, 
when I have to sell Pilex for 310 when it's agency 288, that sucks. But I mean, I got to cover the, at least the credit card costs. Yeah. I get it. It's a, it's a struggle. Um, you know, I can tell you the, the thing I don't remember is, you know, walking into distributors and, you know, trying to sell my soul and then they pull up a YouTube video and they're like, can you explain this? And you're just like, Oh God, where did you find that? And, uh, and you know, I, I actually thank you to Ryan DeMay. Ryan DeMay saved my ass more than once, uh, with, with distributors and, and, I mean, and that was, that was when I was in, you know, like really flailing out there in the world and would, uh, I'd say anything to anybody just to, to try and keep, you know, the door, the doors open kind of sort of thing. But man is, it is brutal and it's cutthroat and I feel you on that. I know maybe not exactly what you're going through, but I I do understand a piece of it. And it's, you know, you have to know who you are and what you're going to be, you know? Um, I know that I can't compete uh, with site one for a lot of things. Frankly, I know that when it comes to fertilizer, I can't compete with site one for the smaller guys. And it's not because of my buying power. It's because site one gets bonused on their margins and those guys want to get every last time they can. So the smaller guys that are buying four or five pallets, I can't compete all day with that because this is just me. I'm not a publicly traded company, you know? So the smaller guys, I can focus on them. And then the bigger guys, I've still got some things like the on deck, which is a unique herbicide that nobody else around here sells. Um, So, you know, that's an opportunity. Hey, I can get them in on certain products like that. And then I, I have one guy that, you know, he's, Spends probably a little bit more with me than he could elsewhere. But every time he walks in, I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm a joy. To, uh, and I, I want to talk to you. And, you know, he'll spend at least an hour here once a week. You know, um, you go to the, the site ones and they're just fucking miserable. They don't want, you know. I, I'll be honest with you. I swear. That's the, that's the God's honest truth. I was just going to say, I know some people that work at site one. So if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. But I've never, ever once walked into a site one and not been met with a look on my face like I either have a dick on my forehead or I banged that guy's mom the night before and sent him a videotape of it. Like, that's the looks I get. Well, it's it's not a happy place. And here's here's the thing that they did is, you know what the mistake that site one made when they, I guess, it was when John Deere uh, sold the factories. Yeah, they I sold think. the factories, and next mistake that they made when they wanted to, you know, come into Hawaii, and for example, they told me a big story. For example, of oh, we're going to start selling fertilizers and you know, products, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Their mistake was. Okay, they did not do their homework, number one. And number two, them playing games with margins basically priced themselves out of the market. Because, for example, let me give you an example. Bottle of Quicksilver, you know, 
8 ounces of carfentrazone. My price from, you know, my other established vendors, 150 for that 8 ounce bottle. That same bottle through site one, apparently because I'm not also ordering, you know, a hundred something pallets of fertilizer from them at the same time, uh, was two fifty. Explain that, That's please. Crazy. Explain that. Listen, okay. I want I want to make this clear. Site one, these are not my opinions. Please don't sue me again. Uh, you know, we oh, went through no. this the first time, and and you know, hey. Uh, Please don't sue me again, Site One. If you're listening, uh, these opinions are their own. I don't, I don't have the money for a lawsuit, so we're just. I needed to get yeah. that out there. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. covering the cost of lawsuits, <laughs> real quick, uh, I just want to take a moment that if you would like to support the channel, so we can continue to do these types of things, uh, check this out. It's real simple. We had these customers. I say we. Hell no, it wasn't we. It was J Pink. J Pink went sourced these whiskey glasses. These are the Grass Factor laser engraved whiskey glasses. He went to he went to a company in Ohio. This didn't come from China. They're not full of lead. They're not going to kill anybody. Uh, they're high quality. He then took them to a local company here in Knoxville. They did the laser engraving. It's twenty five bucks. If you want to support the show, you get your own insignia. Pour your favorite Balvini scotch in there. Pour your favorite. Uh, uh, if you drink Jack Daniels, make sure it's the uh, it's the Frank Sinatra version. Get that in there. Have you have you a glass of whiskey on us? Enjoy it. Thank you. Uh, and then also, listen, if you're a man out there and you're feeling tired and you're tired of the excuse of being tired, this is all you got to do. Honehealth.com forward slash the grass factor for 45 bucks. Get a test done. See what your testosterone levels are. See what your hormone levels are. See what your body function is up to. No shit. I took my test and I was absolutely blown away by the fact that I had low testosterone and it's not like by a little, by a lot. I was clinically diagnosed as having low testosterone. I highly look forward to this because listen, here's the thing. When I sat down with the doctor and I'm looking at this, what was the first thing that went through my mind? I'll tell you exactly what it was. I felt like a bitch. I'm like, what is going on? You know, I'm 34 years old. I've got two kids. I felt like a bitch to hear I had low test, but you know what? Talking to the doctor, it put a sense of confidence in me that I haven't had in a long time. You know what he told me? He says, this is going to be life changing for you. So I want to extend the offer of changing your life as well as well. Honehealth.com forward slash grass factor, 45 bucks, get tested, be the man you can be. <laughs> Shameless plugs. Uh, okay. Before we wrap this up, is there anything out there you want to ask us? Is there anything we can do for you, sir? No, I'm good. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, real quick, we've got a mailbag. I wanted to go ahead and bring up and give everybody an opportunity to, uh, to answer here. Uh, number one is what is your opinion about overseeding the yard with only Kentucky bluegrass? Currently my lawn is a mix of tall fescue and Kentucky bluegrass. I'd like to add more Kentucky bluegrass to help with filling in and self-repair, but I'm worried it will be snuffed out by the current turf type tall fescue or is my only option using turf type tall fescue for seeding repairs. This is part one of two. Um, I, uh, would say, yeah, 100%. You can go with only Kentucky bluegrass, uh, make sure you're using a Kentucky bluegrass blend and not a mono cultivar. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, you can, you can do that. Now here's the thing as the Kentucky bluegrass becomes more established, those tall fescue clumps are going to become less and less appealing and you're going to find yourself 
taking those out more and more until you do have a stand of just Kentucky bluegrass. So, you know, you may want to consider it, but there are tons of people out there that have just Kentucky bluegrass lawns. Um, uh, who, who are the Missouri guys? Uh, turf culture is Kentucky bluegrass. Uh, Kevin Colson is, uh, Coven, 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 uh, Carlson is a, uh, is a Kentucky bluegrass guy. He's got Mazama, uh, down there, down South. And so if your environment supports it, why not go for it? Demay, y'all got any, y'all got any opinions on this? He's seeding Kentucky bluegrass in a tall fescue. Yeah, and he's asking, is it all right on having just a Kentucky bluegrass lawn as well? Oh, I mean, as long as he's going to water it, as long as he's going to uh, keep the mowing height, um, you know, I'd say below two and a half inches, you know, between, say, inch and three quarters and two and a half. The, you know, when you get that growing point real high on Kentucky bluegrass, it's it's not a very pretty thing. Uh, I agree with you that as that Kentucky bluegrass, if you can get it to establish, um, is going to continue to crowd out and and probably isolate out those tall fescue spots. So I'm not sure that would be totally crazy about like trying to convert over. If you are going to do it, though, you have to remove as many barriers right to success as you possibly can. So if you're simply just going to go out there and chicken feed or spread Kentucky bluegrass over top of your tall fescue lawn, it ain't going to work out very well. It's not going to work out great at all, in fact. So, Ray, a couple of things I would be looking at to do here. Number one, I'd be sky high on my primo rate the day I seed, and even probably yep. about three weeks leading into that, right? So you're going to be at that mm -hmm. three-quarter of the ounce rate. You're going to shut down everything that's there. And then I would go ahead and you know knock it back a little bit, try and get your mowing height down so you have – uh, a little bit of a better access to that soil. You get a little bit more sunlight down in there and then go ahead and get yourself a good cedar, right? So if you can rent one, uh, highly recommend, especially if you're going to use bluegrass, it really does need, when we say seed to soil contact, that doesn't mean seed sitting on top of the soil and contacting that for bluegrass in particular with as small of a seed as it is, right? So a little over 2 million right. seeds per pound, you got to be down an eighth of an inch, right? To really have good success with it. So, I would challenge this person um, to make sure they're going to do everything right to get it established. And if uh, all of these things seem too uh, tall of a task, then oh. go ahead and spray out and just start it with bluegrass. It's that simple. Like Justin said, it's seeding season, baby. Right? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right. And if you do go that avenue and in the subsequent seasons – you notice the clumps of uh, turf-type tall fescue? You do have an out, but it's a very risky out. Tell him, Ray. Extremely low rate, and it's sulfuron mesyl. But warning, dealing with this is fire. You don't have very much margin for error. Be ultra careful about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... On Ray's advice, because I'll be I'll be dead on it. I've been always I, I'm Matt. You know this about me, Ray. You know some too. Is I'm not too chicken shit to try just about anything. But I will say that trying MSM on, you know, mostly or ninety nine percent Kentucky bluegrass to get you know a little bit of tall fescue out or something, that had my butthole puckered a little bit. 
and uh, you know, <laughs> what about certainty? Have you have you ever done the certainty over top of Kentucky bluegrass? I Did think, not work I think, very well, uh, sir. Well, Ryan <laughs> said that well. certainty was even no certainty was even worse. Certainty messed up the turf, and at the low rate used, it didn't even you know affect the target weeds in an acceptably you know commercially acceptable manner. I mean, let me tell you uh, about certainty. <laughs> so tell this, them this true story. It's true story. Uh, 10th hole at the golf course that I was a superintendent at new build in, um, 2002. And so I was there from right from just about the beginning. And this hole was heavily wooded and got you know, the Kentucky bluegrass roughs were ravaged. I mean, ravaged Ray with poetry Alice. So <laughs> my high, my high fine 25 year old superintendent asked that, Hey, you know what? It's on. Wait, wait. Let me see if I can do Matt's. Uh, so, hey, man, you know what? It's on the label. We're gonna go out there and get that Poe. That Poe. We're gonna go out there and get that Poe knocked out. And uh, let me tell you what. I lit up every square inch of that motherfucker, and we reseeded it. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I tried to play it off real cool. I was like, hey. You know, we got the poet Triv, and remember my the president of the club looks at me and he's like, "Yeah, Ryan, you got everything else too. Uh, what's it going to cost to fix this?" <laughs> one of my few, one and, of my few big mistakes, and I, I so yeah, I, I'm uh, certainty. It, it, it's it's not a good situation, not not a good memory for me. Did no, get the poet Triv? reason why. Yeah, it did, but then there's a good reason why. I saw after it was on the label for a year or two, uh, Kentucky Bluegrass immediately got yanked off of that label and it was rewritten for use on warm season turf only, which by the way, warm season turf tolerates certainty like a champ. You know, all of the warm season grasses tolerate it like a champ. So, but, you know, in speaking to that, there's also a reason why Kentucky Bluegrass is still on the Mitsulfuron Missile label because apparently it has not caused as many shed fires as the certainty has. That has got to be the reason why it's still there. And it's cheap. I'm, it's pretty damn cheap. I, I had the biggest love-hate relationship with certainty um, because I felt like... It, House of Furon could be uh, a little bit temperamental. Sophos of Furon took temperamental to a whole new level for me uh, in terms of the mm -hmm. inconsistencies out of it. Now, yeah, some of that could be applicator error and all that fun stuff, but I don't know. I probably sprayed at least 100 acres of it, and it is, it's just a damn, I don't know. It's just temperamental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me read the second part of this question. I forgot about okay, it, to be ahead, honest. Oh, yeah. oh this, ahead, never mind. This isn't really to do anything. Um, uh, I'll just answer this, Frank. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You go, go ahead, because I, I was going to. I was just going to ask just. I was, I was just going to ask Justin. Uh, you you got to have like one war story or something. Like, what's the what's the worst customer call you got? You oh walk yeah. Out there and like, oh shit! Like. You just walked in there and you're like, man, I'm just going to have to take this one. Like, this sucks. I mean, 
the worst one was probably actually one of our other service managers. He drove up to, uh, he was just spraying a tree belt and uh, hit his tip of the, hit his tip on the tree, broke the tip. And I get a phone call to come out uh, about a week later and clear as day, epinasty going up, just streaking up the size of the side of the street. Problem was it was Bradford pear trees and it was probably like a 25 oh. for Bradford pear. And you know, a row of them going up the guys and it's going all the way up the street, neighbors too. And the guy insisted <gasps> that we replace it with a tree the same height and just the, the the nightmare of trying to deal with that guy than trying to deal with my dad and being the intermediary. And my dad's like, there's no way we're going to do that. Give him a free seating or something. And this guy's not having it. And that, that was, that was my most uncomfortable moment probably. But I mean, there, there were so many uncivil people. There were so many crazy things. I mean, one time crazy, you know, just from a terrible drought, uh, lawn, literally, hadn't been thatched or you know aerated in decades right 30 years drought was so bad that the plant was just growing in the thatch layer at this point right they had about a two inch thatch layer and all the grassroots were in the thatch layer nothing's actually growing in the soil to the point where at the end of the summer this woman is she's mad at us that we killed her lawn i stomp on the lawn and you can see the entire lawn wave I mean, nothing had been touched. It hadn't been touched. It hadn't been touched. But you could step on it. You could see the thing fucking wave because all the roots were just sucked right up into the thatch. There was no root system whatsoever. It was just a carpet of two-inch dead thatch. And this, and, and she's blaming us for this. And I mean, it, it hasn't rained in two months and you haven't done an aeration in 20 years. It's, this is not my fault, you know? And... Deal, apologizing for Mother Nature is just a pain in general. Uh, but then when your technicians do bad things, that that makes it worse. You know, the Z sprayers, they like to get stuck in the mud. Um, I've had them, I've had to have a crane take one out before. Um, seen... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like putting that 1,500 pound machine out on some sloppy ass soil. <laughs> When it happened with a brown green. I'm going to be honest. It never be honest, did because the actually... bitch weighs 300 pounds. <laughs> the, one, the one that needed a crane, it was actually, um, I got it stuck in my aunt's yard. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just, at, at least I knew the customer. They couldn't, they couldn't fire me because they weren't paying for it anyway. So they get what they pay for, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's like another rule. I never do business with friends or family that's an that's an important business rule where for me i'll do favors for for people in that position i'll help them out but i don't want their money and okay i gotta add another one i never do business with friends family or neighbors never i'll help people out but that's that's the extent of it and uh, that just tends to keep my life a lot simpler. Does that mean you dog sit for your neighbors, Ray? Well, fudge no. All right. Fudge no. All right. If I did, their dogs would become very well trained. Oh. Okay. I'm, like, glad we, oh, I'm glad huh? we stopped it there. This was, a, <laughs> this was burn a return. That would have taken a very, very dark turn. 
very quickly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Frank, hey, so your second question. Right. Go ahead. Tribe what? Vexus? Yeah. Vexus? Yeah. Mm-mm. Garbage. I've no. seen plenty of trials. I was just on wondering it, but... if anybody's gotten it to work yet. I was just wondering. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Not here either. Okay. Okay. Okay, because my vendors are pushing really hard for me to put Vexus into my Nutsedge control program because... That's apparently another latest and greatest thing from, you know, PBI Gordon. Yeah. But I told them yeah. there's no, I told them there's no chance in hell I will use Vexus until they're willing to release it in a sprayable formulation. Because then what I'm going to do with that sprayable formulation is I'm going to tank mix it with sulfentrazone and then do a burn and return with it. Ray, I'm, because... I, I, I thought the active ingredient in Vexus was the, um, uh, it, I was not thinking uh, pyramisulfan, but there is another one, uh, Aztec or something like that, that it's another sulfonylurea that's new, and it was in like four, maybe three or four different products. Mm-hmm. Hazelon, Hazelaw, Hazelfall, Methyl, Hazelfall, Methyl. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you know what, what I'm talking about? Actually, you're not talking about a, a sulfonylurea. You're talking about this uh, pyridine oxen herbicide called uh, haloxifen. Haloxifen. Is that that's what you're it. Doing? Yes. Okay, okay, but haloxifen is just like, I'm going to describe it to you, Matt. It's like Tordon on steroids, <laughs> but, it doesn't, but it doesn't last as long as Tordon, but it's like Tordon on steroids because the application rate on it is like literally an ounce or a half an ounce of active ingredient per acre, and most broadleaves are smoked because yeah. I'm actually waiting. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for that. Uh, warm season version of it called uh, Relzar. Relzar, I'm yeah, guessing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing that they're having trouble getting that approved because too much off-target effects on surrounding vegetation. Because haloxifen, I would be okay with that in a wheat field or a rice field. I'd be extremely concerned with it in a landscape situation with trees and shrubs with their root systems near the site of application because we don't need or want a repeat of the imprella situation. <laughs> that sounds like Okay, and, and Justin's laughing because I know aminocycloperichlor as method 240SL and that's what I'd run if I want an area to be devoid of trees. Okay, I mean, but then, okay, essentially, I saw the, the UT trials on it, and it seemed um, mostly hit and miss. I did see a lot of mm, a relative large amount of uh, of damage from it. It was odd. It did well in shade, uh, which I thought was interesting, without a lot of um, 
damage, right? So, you know, definitely, definitely the exposure to sunlight and heat, you know, really amplifies the effects from it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, but I, again, the problem is, is that it probably has to do with the increased amount of soil moisture present in shadier areas to allow that product to actually, you know, move in the soil. Because, like I said, haloxifen to me is simply an analog of picloram, aka tordon. Well, I am. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We'll, we'll go ahead and get this wrapped up. We're gonna move on to the show after the show. And uh, seriously, dude, thanks for coming on and joining us, chopping it up. I know we could do a whole series of talking about nothing but the crazy ass customers we've experienced over the years, and we may have to do that actually, as a matter of fact. So I appreciate you coming on. I can give you addresses if you want them. <laughs> really? Ooh, we'll go write oh, yeah. names in the yard. Yeah, oh, I know. Right. I know. I know names. I like sometimes there's the people that just stick with you, you know. Um, and like to this day, you know, I, I fired that customer 15 years ago, and when I drive by Elliot Drive, I still cuss her out, type of thing, you know. <laughs> you know what? I don't have to cuss out the people that I've had to let go because you know when I drive by their lawn a year later. Doesn't it look doesn't look. Good, right? No, <laughs> no. You see, and you see, and neither and do I can the glyphosate my, water balloons. No, no, I don't need to because I can even tell my friends in the business here. You see that that lawn at such and such an address. I used to maintain that lawn until they screwed me over, and now look at their lawn, and they go, "Oh, that's why the lawn looks bad." Whoops. <laughs> All right, everyone. You say glyphosate. You say glyphosate balloons. Uh, it made me think of. I took care. I had a customer who was a local radio DJ, and one day, I mean, she must have pissed somebody off. You could just see the super soaker. Roundup all over the front yard, like hundred percent, hundred percent. What happened? It's like her, her name was Courtney in the morning. You know, it's like got kiss, and it's like, what did you, what did you say on the local hour? You know, it's funny. No, it's some crazy oh shit. God. You know. All right, Pull let's take this. this to the show after the show where we can say all the bad words we want. Uh, if you are not a member and you would like to see the show after the show, let me explain a little bit the, the, a little bit of this to you. Uh, you got to hit the join button and then you will get access to it. You get to join a private Discord. You can log into the private Discord and you'll see a link to it. We post the link for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone and then it disappears forever. You cannot go back and rewatch episodes. You have to watch it live. That is the thing with it. Uh, again, if you do not like bad words, if you get your feelings hurt easily, uh, we do nothing but debunk so much of the uh, bad agronomic advice that's out there. So if you're not into that kind of thing, you don't care how things work, you don't want to understand uh, the intricacies of fertilizers and weed controls, then it's probably not for you. If you usually get your feelings hurt, you don't like bad words, you don't like you know dudes just sitting around cutting it up, it's probably not for you. No harm, no foul. You don't have to do it. But if you are into that kind of thing, hit the join button. It's the cost of an airport beer. Come on over. And we'll see you on the flip side. Y'all have a good one.